Lord. It's good to be in the presence of God, amen? It's good to be with brothers and sisters, worshiping the King of Kings. Doesn't everything seem right when you're in God's presence? It's just just a reminder. He's He says you can come boldly anytime to the throne of grace. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till uh, a certain type of feeling comes over you that that His presence is open because of the blood of Jesus. That Jesus' blood made a way, the new and living way, to enter into His presence, and so you never have to be far from God. He said, "Surely I'll never leave you, even until the end of the age." It's a great promise to hold on to. So I want to. We're gonna we're gonna continue on in First Peter here. And we will offer prayer at the end, as we always do with our leaders. If you need specific prayer for something, uh, don't go anywhere. We'll have some teams up here ready to pray for you right at the end. But we have been teaching and reading and studying through First Peter um, for uh, a number of months, a few breaks here and there. But we are now on the last chapter of First Peter, chapter 5. So if you want to turn there, First Peter, chapter 5 and verse 1. You know, the interesting thing, as, I, as I've said probably several times during this series that we've done, is uh, when you read or when you preach or when you study out of different books of the Bible than you normally go to, you come across some different things. You get challenged with some different stuff, you know. And so that's why I encourage you, even in your own study of the Bible, even in your own Bible reading, is don't, don't just use the method of, I'm just going to read whatever I want. Because what we end up doing is we, we end up going back to the same things. Not that they're bad, but sometimes, you know, when you read, when you say, I'm on this, this scripture plan that takes me through all these books, I'm forced to read through and not just go, oh, I'm going to go to the book of Psalms again. And I just really like that. I'm just going to read a couple of Psalms today. And or I'm just going to, you know, do the flip open method, you know. Right? You ever do that with the Bible? I'm not saying you should never do that, but, uh, you know, you just flip it open and say, God, just, you gotta lead me. Uh, sometimes God leads you by having a structure in your life. By saying, you're gonna read through the whole New Testament, right? I want you to read through all the letters that Paul wrote. And as you read through them, you're gonna, there's gonna be things that challenge you that you wouldn't get in the, if you're just gonna read the book of Psalms over and over again, or the book of John, or whatever book that you're like, oh, I just always go to that. And so just as when we're studying that as a congregation and we're preaching and, and teaching through something, I was just encouraged to say, you know, let's remember that in our personal lives too, where we don't get stuck just doing the same thing. Uh, change it up. Let God, you know, ask God, what should I be doing right now? Uh, don't just randomly read the Bible all the time. You know, it's like you just get random bits of food. You know, I mean, it's okay to eat like that every once in a while, right? You know, when you don't have a meal prepared, you just go in the cabinet and you like eat two bites of this, you grab a piece of fruit, you eat a little bit of that. Maybe I'm the only one who does that. You know, at lunch, you're just going in, you're like, okay, what am I going to eat? You just eat a few bites of this, a few bites of that, and there's no meal. That's okay, but living like that is never a good idea because usually you're just eating, you know, chips and pretzels and, you know, candy. Or, you know, you just pop a few things in your mouth. And, you know, there's parts of the Scripture that are nice and they taste sweet and you just pop them in your mouth. And, oh, that tastes so good. But then there's parts of the Scripture that give you, like, the nourishment that you need to grow and change and be transformed. Because that's really what we want is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
We have to change the way we think. So, 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter has taken us through all kinds of issues. He's messed with all kinds of paradigms. He has told us things that we did not want to hear. He's made me preach things I did not want to preach. If I only preached what I wanted to preach, right, I'd, you know, cycle through the same five things. And it's probably what I do anyway, right? You know, you're like, Pastor John only has five messages. I remember an old preacher said that too. I don't know if this is in Bible college. He said, look, somebody came up to him one time and said, man, you, you only have six messages that you just keep preaching over and over again. And he told the person, he said, oh, man, I thought I only had five. <laughs> I've added one. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> So, you know, we all have our things that we, you know, we are passionate about and we're, you know, that we, that we go to. It's our, it's our go-to. You know, we have go-to scriptures. And those are good to have. I'm just saying, don't let that be the only thing you have. Because sometimes God wants to expand uh, what he's saying to you. And he'll do that by going somewhere else in the scripture that you've never gone before. And so that's kind of what we did. And so let's read First Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. And then next week... Um, we will finish First Peter, I'm assuming, if I'm still preaching. Um, so, First Peter 5, 1 through 5, says this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to re- be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseen out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so Peter here addresses some things that we don't always talk about as well. It's kind of the theme Peter has been on. We talked a little bit about the, the gifts last week, how that we are gifted to serve one another. Now he specifically is talking to those who are in some form of leadership. And so we're going to talk about leadership for a little bit. We're going to, this is what the scripture is saying right here. It's saying, hey, guess what? Some of you have been entrusted with certain things, with certain responsibility, with certain people. How are you going to care for them? When you're put, well, let's, let me just break it down for you like this. If you're a man and you are married and you have a household, a family, you're in a place of leadership. So this applies to you right now. If you're a parent, you're in a place of leadership. So all of us are, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not in leadership in the church. Well, maybe not. But you're, le- you're probably in leadership somewhere. There's probably somebody else that you're leading. There's somebody else that's following you. There's somebody else that's looking up to you. There's, there's somebody else who's receiving from you. And so we can make a lot of applications here from Peter about what does it look, what does a leader look like in the kingdom of God? What, what is a leader supposed to be? And it's interesting, the first thing he says is, is basically, be a shepherd. Now, if you think about this, 
I mean, if you've been in church a while, it sounds fine, right? It sounds totally normal. If you've not been in church, you're like, okay, that's weird, (laughs) right? But in the time that Peter was writing, being a shepherd was not like the A-class job that everybody wanted, right? Remember when when the angels appeared and announced the birth of Jesus, it says they, they announced it to the shepherds. And basically, the connotation is everybody was shocked that the angels, why, why did they go to them? Why did they go to these guys out in the field? You know, who, who wanted to be a shepherd? It was, this was the job that nobody wanted. <laughs> like, who wants to be outside with stinky sheep and all the time, and you're gonna be, you're gonna sleep out on the hillside. I mean, some of you hunters may be like this, you know. You don't get to shoot nothing though. <laughs> you're there to protect. Unless an enemy comes, then you got your, your staff and you, you ward off the lions and the bears and the wolves and all those things. But being a shepherd was not, was not something that everybody wanted to be. It was kind of a, a despised job, and the shepherds were kind of the outcasts. They were thought of being untrustworthy. And so it's interesting that, that Jesus does this too. I mean, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And then all the, the apostles of, of Jesus, the disciples, a lot of them have this same theme where they have, they make the application saying, look, you're supposed to be like a shepherd. And so it's very interesting. You're supposed to be one who sacrifices your own comfort, your own desires maybe, your own uh, personal interests to lead somebody else. The shepherds, what does it say? Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, right? So Jesus was the ultimate example of a leader. And what did Jesus do as a leader? He laid down his life for his sheep. And so when some people say, man, I wish I could lead something. Well, guess what? (laughs) Congratulations. You get to now lay down your life a little bit more. Husbands, what does God, what does, what does the word say about us? We're to love our Christ, love the church and gave himself So our job as a leadership in the home is to lay down our lives in serving our wives. (laughs) My wife just said, come on. (laughs) Just want to. I'm not just saying that to get brownie points at home. (laughs) She forgets what I preach just like y'all have Sunday afternoon, okay? Just kidding. Uh, she remembers it for a whole day. Um, <laughs> but you laid it when you're a shepherd. The shepherd would lay down their lives for the sheep. The shepherd protects the sheep. The shepherd is sacrificing for the sheep. The shepherd is uncomfortable for the sheep. The shepherd gets among the sheep and starts smelling like the sheep. The shepherd has to clean up after the sheep. So being a leader... Being a leadership in the kingdom of God is about serving one another, is about laying down your life for someone. And so Peter is speaking to them and he's speaking to us saying, look, this is, you know, this is how you shepherd God's flock, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly. In other words, 
Don't do this just because you have to. Not out of compulsion. Willingly choose to say, I am choosing to lead by serving. I am choosing to lay down my life for the betterment of someone else so that they can come into contact with Jesus in a greater way, so that they can come into the knowledge of God in a greater way. So leaders are not only shepherds, but they're willing. They are not doing this because they have to. If you, if you keep doing something because you have to, eventually you're going to turn, your heart's going to turn bitter, right? If you just, you know, you volunteer for something. Have you ever done this? You volunteer for something and then you're like, man, I wish I could stop doing this thing, right? <laughs> Let's be honest, right? How do I get out of this thing, right? How, how, how do I get out of this? And, and so we have to say, look, it's, it's a God working on our heart. We have to go back to the issue of, of our heart to say, am I, first of all, did God call me to this? And if he did call me, what's wrong with my heart if I'm not doing this willingly? If in my relationships with, you know, if I'm putting leadership in my job, Think about that. Think about you as a shepherd if you're a boss of somebody. How are you shepherding the flock, those that God puts under you? How are you shepherding them? How are you leading them with a willing heart? Not out, not because you have to. I get some things we have to do in our jobs because we just have to. I understand employment. <laughs> I get that. But it's a whole lot more effective as a leader if you say, I'm going to willingly serve and lead and honor these people, sometimes correct them, whatever I have to do. Uh, what did David say in Psalm 23? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, the, the shepherd's rod would ward off the wolves and the lions that would come, but they could also whack the sheep when they were getting out of line, right? So, I mean, the, the staff would be you know, like, come back here, sucker. <laughs> You know, get on back here, boy. And so, you know, they would, they would reach out and, you know, it was a point of protection. So sometimes laying down your life for someone does mean correcting them in love, doing it for the betterment of them, not for you. And so leaders are shepherds. Leaders are willing. Third thing it says here is not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Leaders True leaders, money does not have a hold on their hearts, as we referenced earlier. As Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. You can't be desiring just to gain wealth in this world and be a true good leader. And so you have to say, what, what has a hold of my heart? Does money have a hold of my heart? And here's, here's the thing. Having a lot of money or not having a lot of money has nothing to do with whether money has a hold on your heart. There's people with a whole lot of money and it isn't ruling their heart. They're generous. They're pouring out their wealth that has been given to them as a blessing. They're being a blessing to others. They're doing things that nobody else can do. They're financing things in the kingdom of God that nobody else could finance, that we need money to do that. And so there's people that have been entrusted, and there's people who are, have a lot of money who that's what they're consumed with. They're consumed with the money they have and getting more money. What's the difference? The difference is just a heart. The difference is not the bank account number. The difference is what's going on inside this heart. 
Is greed residing in my heart? If greed is residing in my heart, then I truly can't be a good spiritual leader. I can't be a good leader in my home if all I want to do is get a little bit more. There's people that have hardly anything and money has no hold on them, right? Have you met them? They're content. They're happy. They're joyful. I mean, if you haven't met them in the United States of America, go to another country. Go to Honduras, where these workers who are working for 5 or $10 a day, man, they're full of joy. Are they not? Tommy and Kim, whoever else, Narda, they're, they're full of joy. They're, they're, they're enjoying life, yet they don't have hardly anything compared to us. Our plane ticket could finance them for several months. Just my plane ticket to fly down there for $1,000. But because money doesn't have a hold on their heart, they're joyfully, willingly working very, very hard day in and day out for just a little bit. But money is not in charge of their heart. But likewise, I've met people who don't have much money, and that is their sole purpose in life, is just figuring out, if I just had a little bit more, I'd be happy. If I just had a little bit more. I mean, that's really the, the issue, isn't it? Man, if I just had a little bit more. I mean, it's the, you know, the American dream, right? You can just have a little bit more. Uh, you know, the, the American dream is not totally biblical, right? <laughs> you don't know that, right? I mean, is that a revelation? or? <laughs> that's not what the Bible teaches. That it's not like, hey, God's here to just let you have an amazing life and enjoy it all your days. That's, that's, not, that's not the kingdom. God wants you to have an amazing life and lay it down in worship of Him and in serving one another so that many others are attracted to Jesus and His heart and His kingdom and they are drawn in, you know, they may be blessed, you may be blessed. God knows what you can handle, right? If you can handle, and that doesn't mean that just because someone has a little that God says, oh, you can't handle that. Who knows? There's all kinds of different things. There's all kinds of callings and situations in life. If we truly trusted Jesus and said, you're in charge of my life. I mean, isn't that the real issue? Is like, God, I want to be in charge of my life and what you've given me is not enough. And so I'm going to take things into my own hands. And so a leader is not, has no, that has no hold on him. And so therefore a leader can lead out of a pure heart because they're not influenced by money. Number four. A leader does not lord it over those entrusted to them, but is an example to the flock. Basically it's this. A true leader does not have power trips. You ever get in a power trip? I do. <laughs> Is it true? Okay. <laughs> you get a power trip with your kids. You're like, this, 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 this. And your wife has to come to you and say, you know, there's more to life than just doing this for you. <laughs> You can get like that with whoever you're involved in any kind of leadership with. We'll just leave it there. A leader is not there to say, I'm just going to hold my power over you, but instead 
I'm going to use my power to empower you and lift you up. I'm going to use my authority to bring you up to a higher level. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, Jesus lifted the disciples up to say, look, my, the mission I had, you're now going to carry out the mission. You have been empowered. You have been lifted up to a new place. What does it say in Ephesians 2 and chapter She's in chapter 2 and verse 6 where it says, And God raised us up with him and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. What did Jesus use his authority to do? He laid down his life so that others could be lifted up. The same is for us spiritual leaders, for us who are placed in leaderships in our jobs, that I'm going to lay down my life so that others can be raised up. What if in me... Being an amazing leader in their life, they become all that they're meant to be in God. Whatever that is, whatever that calling is, whatever that vocation is. And if nothing else, they'll see the heart of God in you and be drawn to Jesus by a leader that does not use their power to hold people captive, but by who uses their power to release people into the fullness of what they were created to be. Dave, I'm sorry if I'm just preaching the, you know, the, the Servant Life messages on, on Wednesday. We're in a new series called Servant Life on Wednesdays. You should come to it. Uh, Dave is, is leading that for us. Uh, but it seems that we just keep coming. The scriptures just keep coming. That's what happens when you preach through just, you know, the next verse. You know what you're going to preach on. You don't know what you're going to say, but you know, here's where it is. And so a leader doesn't have a power trip. It says they're, but you live as an example. In other words, sometimes it's better to be seen and not heard. Sometimes, aren't those the best, aren't those the best bosses you've had? The ones that actually work more than they talk? You know, they'll do more than they're asking you to do. They're gonna, they're gonna lay down their, they're giving their all as well. They're not like, you give your all and, man, you know what? It's Friday. And uh, y'all go out and do those jobs, and uh, I think I'm going to get a shake. <laughs> I'm going to get some a snack. I'm going to go take a nap, whatever I want to do. Uh, you know, when you have a leader who is set, who's willing to come alongside you, say, "No, I'm going to help you with that. We're going to get this done. This is this this is the goal we're going for. We're we're serving together. We're on the same team, and we're going to get to this place. And you know what? Hey, we're we're doing. We're not going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. But let's do it together. Let's let's see what God can do in you. You're actually going to do an amazing job. What do you think? You know, and so you empower someone and you lift them up. And and what does Peter say when the chief shepherd? appears you will receive you will receive the unfading crown of glory you know sometimes we get so caught up in the rewards of this life that we forget that the greater rewards are not in this life the greater reward is in eternity and I cannot sell myself out for the rewards on this earth because there are rewards on this earth. There are blessings on this earth. But that, I better not let that be the number one thing in my life, that eternity is number one, that this life is going to end, that all the stuff I have here, all the stuff I do here, is, it's, it's, anything that's not eternal is going to get burned up. What does Paul say? All your work is going to, you know, even as a believer in Jesus, this is not about salvation. 
but it's like all your work, everything you do is going to be put through the fire. And every, you know, only, only things that are pure and eternal and worthy will remain. Everything else is going to get burned up and it's going to be like it never even existed. It was pointless. It was worthless. It was not lasting. And so how much better to live a life where the chief shepherd, where I can say, Jesus, you're the chief shepherd. I'm going to live my life in honor of you. I'm going to live my life leading others and serving them by, you know, leading them by serving them. And then Peter closes it off here. And then he addresses everybody. And he says, in the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. I'm getting older every single day, just like you. I'm now technically like middle-aged. <laughs> right, Chris? We're there, man. I mean, I'm actually past middle age. The average lifespan is around 78 to 80 years old now. I'm past halfway. <laughs> and so, you know, when I was young, I thought I knew everything. I mean, isn't that how it is? When you're young, you think you know everything. And Peter's just saying the same thing. Peter was that same guy, right? I mean, Peter, when he lived, he was always the one charging forward. I mean, he corrected Jesus. I mean, there's nobody else that took Jesus aside and said, Jesus, that's a horrible plan. <laughs> Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Listen to me. <laughs> I've been a fisherman. <laughs> I have lots of qualifications here. I've been really good at, you know, I'm, I talk loud. I speak out. You Don't do that, Jesus. It's like, you know, Peter had lived that life of like, you know, and so Peter now, Peter has had failure shape his life so that he's more ready to be a leader. Success shapes your life, but failure shapes your life even more. And failure shapes your life so that God can trust you with success. Ouch. And so that's why Peter says, hey, you who are young, sometimes you just have to listen to those who have maturity in their lives. Sometimes that's not age. I understand that. There's people that are old that can be immature and they haven't learned nothing, right? It's like they don't have any wisdom. They don't have any knowledge. So let's just do, use the word maturity then. In your life, those who are growing up in the Lord, as you're growing up in age and growing in the knowledge of God, sometimes don't think you know it all. Just assume you don't know it. Just assume you're wrong. When someone who's more mature than you in the Lord is saying, I don't know about that, don't be like the king in the Old Testament. Wasn't there a king in the Old Testament? Did you ever, his name was Rehoboam. He was the son of Solomon. Solomon was like one of the greatest kings in the whole earth. He had all this wealth. He made lots of stupid choices too. Uh, he had 700 wives. Uh, more than one is a stupid choice. Okay? So... <laughs> so not because of them, okay? <laughs> it's not a slide against women, okay? Help me out of this. But so, 
So Solomon had a son, and so his son took over after Solomon ruled. And Solomon had a great reign. It said, you know, his, his, his name was known throughout the ends of the earth. I mean, his, his kingdom and wealth and influence were so great that God raised him up, and everybody knew about him. And so his son, you know, takes the kingship, and he goes and he consults two different people. He goes to like the elders, the wise, mature people, and he says, what should I do? And the elders tell him, your father was a very hard man. You need a, he was maybe a little bit too hard sometimes. Why don't you go in with some gentleness and humility and you're going to win the people's hearts over like this. So just, just ease up a little bit. So he went, that's what the elder said. So then he went to his buddies the same age as him. Guys, what should I do? And they're all like, you're the king now, man. You do whatever you want. <laughs> you know what? You can be a badder, awesomer, bad boy king than Solomon. You can be better than him. You tell those people, you thought Solomon was hard on you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ten times better than Solomon. You thought he was in large and in charge. I'm going to make him look small and insignificant. You know, I'm, I'm going to be this. And what does it say? That Rehoboam, who did he listen to? Did he listen to the mature, wise ones? Or did he listen to the friends who were his same age, who were telling him what he wanted to hear? He listened to his friends. And guess what? The kingdom was split. They left him. He lost almost everything. All because he didn't listen to those in his life who were elders. So no matter what age we are, we need elders, someone who is more mature in their walk with Jesus in our lives to tell us, that's stupid. <laughs> I mean, really, I need it like that. Like some, Ashley and I found this out in marriage. Ashley knows that if she, if she tries the diplomatic approach with me, uh, it, I don't get it. Because I'm always telling myself, I'm right, I'm amazing, okay? That's just my personality, okay? It's, it's a, a confident personality. So I, I, I literally have to say, somebody to say, that is stupid. You are totally wrong to get through to me. Everybody, you don't have to do that to. You're like, I didn't know I could talk to you like that. <laughs> well, I'm not saying everybody can. Oh, the elders can. <laughs> Ronnie's nice though. <laughs> oh goodness. You know, when I was younger when I was a lot younger, let's see, how old was I? Uh early twenties. I was probably twenty one or twenty two. I was in, in leadership in the church, I was a youth pastor. And my brother was serving with me. He's a little bit younger than me. Those of you that don't know my brother, the one who's in Ireland, uh, if you think I'm straightforward and intense, I am the soft one, okay? I am, like, easygoing and laid back compared to him. Like, and many of you who are here when he preached several times, you know, it's like when he preached, you know, your ears are, like, blown back. And you, you question, like, do I even know Jesus? Because this guy is so passionate and so forthright. Uh, if you can imagine, this, this is after he's been softened and the, the harsh edges have been sanded off. But there was one time where 
we were getting out of control and we were getting really spiritually prideful and kind of judgmental towards people. And there were some things that were said publicly from the pulpit or from the, from the worship leaders area that were really condemning. And so guess what? The pastor and one of the held elders sat us down, sat us brothers down and said, <laughs> they said all kinds of things. <laughs> They didn't cuss or anything, but they probably should have. But uh, <laughs> I literally had someone looking at my face, and they said this to me. Who made you the Holy Spirit? Because I need it direct, remember? Not everybody needs that, okay? Don't give it to the... Ashley does not need it like that. She needs it a, a, a hero sandwich. Nice soft pieces of bread on both sides, and... <laughs> Then a little bit of like the middle is like, what was that? Was that correction? Yes, that was. Oh, and then, oh, but the outside is really good. Okay. Some people need it like that. So you've got to know the person you're dealing with. But I needed, you know, we went home from that meeting and we're like, oh my gosh. And I still remember, hopefully my brother doesn't watch this. <laughs> I don't think, you don't watch our services online, do you? <laughs> Probably not. We both went in our rooms. We lived together. And we had one of the three of us single guys living together. And he went, you know, he'd play his guitar. And he was singing out some things. Just basically like asking God to, like, what are you doing? And I, this is the other thing. Is this was Saturday. And I was preaching the next day. That was like, <laughs> I remember going home after that. I was like going, uh, that, was, that was rough. Not only that. I gotta get up and preach tomorrow. <laughs> and so, man, I got up, I, I did it. But God did something in our hearts. When we listened to the mature, wise ones that God put in our lives who were telling us, stop it. So if you have someone in your life who's more mature than you, whether they can be more mature than you in their marriage, they can be more mature than you spiritually, they can be more mature than you in uh, how to deal with workplace issues, whatever it is, when someone who is an elder in that realm is speaking into your life, you might not want to go, they don't know what they're talking about. I know what's best. Peter is saying, no, look, guys, I've been through it. <laughs> I've, I've tried to correct the Son of God. <laughs> Submit yourself to the elders. Trust those who have been placed in your life that they, they, do, they can hear God. They do have some wisdom. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, there's, there's, on, there's only a few ways to get God against you, but one of them is pride. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's true. If God is for us, who can be against us? But the, st the second I step into an attitude of pride, it says that God is now opposing me. What was the original sin? Not by humans, but by an angel. 
an angel named Lucifer who became the devil and Satan tried to exalt himself to a place that he did not belong. So the original sin in all of the universe is pride. And really, that's the issue when we don't want to listen to people. When we have people in our lives that we're not willing to listen to, those who are speaking into our lives, it's spiritual pride. That we're saying, I know better than someone else. You know, God, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. You know, this, this is just, I'm a special case. <laughs> yep, you are a special case. <laughs> That's what the, these people were thinking. They had me and my brother in there. This is a special case right here. <laughs> but we were willing to be corrected, and we were willing to change, and we humbled ourselves. And guess what? After that, with that leadership, that pastor, we were more in unity than we'd ever been. Because we laid down pride, we laid down agendas, we laid down, you know, anything that would stand in the way and say, you know what? And, and I still know this man that yelled at my face and said, who made you the Holy Spirit? Because we were arguing back and forth. We're in this meeting, so we're talking like, no, we're right, we're right. You're, you don't know. You know, we know what God's saying. We're spending more time in prayer than you, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> We were in a place of pride, and guess what? <laughs> the Holy Spirit said, I'm opposing you. I'm opposing your pride. So that you think you know it all? God's going to oppose that in your life for your own good and for the good of your family, for the good of those that you work with, for the good of anybody who God entrusts into your life. He's saying, I'm going to oppose that. I'm going to oppose that thing in your life. But... I'm going to give grace to the humble. If you humble yourself, you will find power and strength that you didn't know you had. You know, humility is one of the hardest things to get. I mean, the minute you think you have it, you don't, right? <laughs> I'm really getting humble until I just said that. <laughs> Right, it's like it's it's so it can be such a slippery thing, but it's it, it's a heart of humility that receives the grace of God to empower you to do things that you could never do on your own. So, Lord, help us be humble. Help us walk in your grace. Help us go low so that you can lift us high. Amen. Let's stand. Peter has is, Peter is really challenged us again. I thank you for the... Lord, I thank you for the word of God. We thank you, God, that you are speaking to us through every verse in the scriptures. We thank you that we can dig into this this morning. And God, we thank you, Lord, that every single one of us, whether we've been in placed in leadership of just one person or whether we're leading a hundred, it doesn't matter, Lord. We want to have the heart of a shepherd. We want to have the heart of Jesus. We want to we want to lay down our lives. We want to serve. We want to be an example. We want to have our hearts not have anything that doesn't belong and have a hold in it, whether that's pride or greed or impurity 
or, or selfish motives, whatever it may be, God, that we would lay those things down so that we can lead in the way where we receive the unfading crown of glory in the next life, that we are living for eternity, God. And Holy Spirit, we can't do this on our own. It's in our humility that we, that we ask you, God, to make us the people that you want us to be. Make us the husbands that you want us to be. Make us the fathers you want us to be. Make us the wives you want us to be. Make us the mothers you want us to be. Make us the brothers and sisters that you want us to be. Make us the co-workers, the neighbors that you want us to be that we might show your heart to a world who is desperately looking for truth. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are placing your heart in your people, a heart of love, a heart of purity, a heart of without compromise, a heart that stands up to, to, to lies and oppression, God, a heart that's for justice and righteousness and peace. And so we thank you for working that. Lord, whatever area of our heart, God, make us, give us the heart of a leader. Lord, and we know that that heart is the heart of a, of a good shepherd, the heart of Jesus. And so we surrender that to you today once again. Any of us that need to lay down pride or greed or anything else that would try to hinder us, we just choose to, to lay it at your feet right now, Jesus. We put that thing down. We put that thing down right now. And we put it at the foot of the cross. And we let it be covered by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that if we fail, Lord, even when we fail, Lord, you, you lift us up. You change us. You transform us. You purify us. And you, we, don't, we don't stay low, Lord. We go low so we can be in the right place so that you can lift us up. So that you can be the one who places us in whatever position or place of influence that you would have us uh, be. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you still need prayer, I'm going to invite our leaders up. Leaders, come on up. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, you need to do that today. You need to surrender to your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Have Him forgive you. If you need healing in your body, if you have a situation in your family that you need prayer for, we've got several leaders here. Don't wait. Come and get prayer uh, from these leaders before you go today. And bless you. Ladies meeting tonight.